All right, hey guys, welcome back to The Melon Margin. I'm your host, Quavi Andre Williams. And I'm Daquan Wilson. And this is the talk show dedicated to bringing the marginalized to the spotlight and uplift the black voices that will no longer stay silent. So let's get into this week's race conversation. Fat phobia. Daquan, let me ask you a question. Is the term fat inherently fat phobic? The term fat is not inherently fat phobic. However, if you think that it's fat phobic, then you are being fat phobic. Ooh, baby, explain that. Tell them, <laughs> explain that for me, baby. Explain that one right now. So the reason the term fat isn't fat phobic is because fat is a neutral term. It's mm. just a part of people's bodies. Everybody has fat. Everybody has some type of body fat on them. Um, and the reason why saying that fat is fat phobic makes you fat phobic is because you're then denoting a value to the word fat, which oftentimes is a negative value. So if you see the word fat as something negative, then you are being fat phobic because you have an aversion to fat. See, I, I, I don't know. For me, it's one of those things where it's like, it feels like kind of like the word nigga, where it's like, there are so many different connotations placed on it by oppressors. So like people who are perpetuating um, that skinny is, is, is where it is and skinny is where it's at, that like it has made the word or the term fat feel like a bad thing. Like to describe a person as fat feels um, like bullying. And I want to, I want to unpack that a little bit. Like, where do you think that comes from? Cause even just me saying that word or like, like saying, okay, this fat person right here, just, it feels like I'm, it feels like an insult. Why is that? Why do you think that is? I think a lot of times it comes to the way we connotate fat. We use fat as a way to like describe the characteristics of somebody. So in just calling somebody fat, you are a lot of times the connotation is, oh, they're lazy, they're sloppy. They're all of these different things that we bound into the word fat, even though the word itself does not have any of those connotations, but we make them. We created a society where being fat equals being lazy or sloppy, or you don't care about your health or all of these different things. So that's why whenever you know you hear somebody saying like, oh, the fat person or whatever, it kind of gives that like weird vibe. It's like, Ugh, I don't want to call somebody fat. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it, it's also like one of those things that I feel like, especially with like the body positivity movement um, mm. that's going on today, people are like reclaiming that word and like calling themselves fat because they don't want fat to be seen as just in that negative light. They want to be able to embrace being fat. Yes, yeah, and that's why I say like, I feel it's, it feels like a pejorative, even though, like you said, it's not, it feels like it is because of all the connot all the, all the, um, I think words connotations, but the, the connotation that we put on it as society, that we right. put these words to equal that, even though that's not at all what fat is. Like you said, everybody has fat, everybody has fat on them. That's just a part of being, that's, but that's a part of life. But it's just so interesting to me that, you know, cause like I said, I'll hear people say it like when they're trying to defend uh, body positivity and I'm like, if you're on a fat person's page and I'm kind of like, ooh, damn, like, and when I hear it, it makes me physically cringe. Even mm -hmm. though, just like you said, it's not something that should be cringe worthy yet because of how we've 
um, use the word and how people have used the word, that's what it's turned into. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that like, it just have to change over time. Like it's one of those things that like, even now, like when I hear somebody talking about it, I kind of cringe, but then I have to like, kind of think to myself and be like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose of me cringing? Like, am, am I cringing at the thought of somebody being fat? Am I cringing at the thought of like internalizing all of these negative stereotypes we have about fat people? And so that's where like the unpacking of the word fat comes in. Yeah, like I said, it just, it feels like it's for me, the cringe is not so much about being afraid of fat people, but it's the idea of like, it, I've, I've, for so many years growing up in my life in, 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 um, in high school and middle school and elementary school, it just feels like an insult because of how people have used it. Just like nigga has been used as an insult for black people for so many years until we reclaim the word for, for ourselves. So it's just one of those things where it's like, do you feel, and this is my question, do you feel that um, a person who is not quote unquote obviously fat, um, um, should be allowed to use that word, or is it is it one of those? Th- is it does it have the same kind of feel of like if you're black, you can say nigga. If you're not black, you're not supposed to say it. You see what I'm saying? Does it have that same connotation there or no? I think that it's it's a slippery slippery slope. I think that it's one of those things that I don't want to say like if you aren't fat, you can't say the word fat because part of like the reclamation is kind of getting rid of these stereotypes and connotations that we have with fat and Mm. fat also isn't a slur but it has been used as an insult so I think that like the context of what it is kind of makes the biggest decision but I think in general it's also one of those things that like not everybody is comfortable even if they are body positive like not everybody is comfortable because you never know what type of things can trigger somebody so like you calling somebody fat could trigger like all of these different memories from like childhood of them being bullied like that. So I think like it depends on the person and like if somebody personally is just like call me fat like I am fat like and they kind of accept that then sure it's fine but like you kind of got to weigh and like do a yeah. check. Like you said, I don't, I don't think that it's the same as nigga. Like, I don't think it's the same way, but I just use that as like a way to compare in a way. But yeah. I think for me, because the reason I don't like the term personally is because it was used against me as a kid. You know, my uncles would like call me fat boy, big boy and stuff like that and whatever, whatever. And it just really like, you know, it fucked me up as a kid a little bit, you know, being called that by my family. And like, you know, it just was a really hard thing because that's how that, and that's the reason why for me personally, I don't use that term. I, I prefer to use the term big or maybe a larger person or whatever gets me, but I don't like to use the term fat because for me, it was used as an insult. And so I feel like to use it to, 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 to use that term to describe someone else in my, in my life and the way that I've lived, it just feels like an insult for me. But is that also an unpacking thing? Is that, is that also kind of like trying to figure out how to move past that as well? I think that it is, but it's also one of those things that like, if, if you have a word that's triggering to you, Mm. you know, there's sometimes where no matter how much unpacking you do, that word is still going to have something on you and have that. Okay. Um, Because I think like me growing up and I've definitely had the word fat be used against me, but 
you know, I also had like big bone, like I think big bone was more common for me to hear than fat. Um, and that kind of has like a lighter connotation. Like you don't want to call somebody fat, but like saying, oh, they're big bone. Then like, that's like a kind of pleasantry way of saying it. Got you. Got you. So it's more about the, it's kind of like how some black people choose not to use the N word because they know that it does it for them. It triggers something in their past. Yeah. Got you. Okay. So moving a little forward here, um, in an interview with BuzzFeed News on January 2020, uh, Jillian Michaels decided to give an unwarranted opinion on Lizzo's approach to celebrating the skin she's in and singing about self-love. She says, quote, why are we celebrating her body? Why does it matter? Why are we celebrating her music? Why aren't we celebrating her music? Because it's going, it's not going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. Now, her mind automatically went to Lizzo being unhealthy without even giving the slightest thought to consider the fact that bodies come in all shapes and sizes. And just because Lizzo doesn't fit into the specific standard of the Caucasian standard of beauty, that she isn't attractive. So why is it that skinny or when did the, uh, when did skinny become the litmus of health? So I know I say this every single episode, <laughs> but racism. <laughs> But it there's actually like the origins of fat phobia does have linkages to racism in the ways that, um, you know, Eurocentric bodies were the standard and they looked at African bodies who had more curves and were more full figured. They looked at that as being, you know, completely out there. They had they put black women in zoos and like examined mm -hmm. them like they were animals because of how their body curved and everything like mm -hmm. that. Um, so I think that a lot of our modern day kind of fat phobia stems from that and stems like from that because if you look at other cultures, especially like ancient cultures and indigenous cultures, someone being a larger size is a sign of like wealth or you yes. know somebody has like a lot of stature in that community because yes. they are of bigger size so I think that like with racism and white supremacy and let's be honest capitalism as well because you have mm -hmm. tons of fitness models like Julian Michaels who literally make bank out of shaming people for being fat and being like hey if you don't want to be fat anymore here's my workout plan which you can pay uh, $39.99 a month yeah. to like look at my DVDs or whatever. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think that it, uh, it, it absolutely stems from those areas. I really wish I knew exactly when that shift happened because, you know, when you look at the people like Benjamin Franklin and like some of the older figures in history, like clothes were made to fit a larger sized person because that was seen, like you said, as, a, as an indicator of wealth because you had money to afford food. Skinny <laughs> meant that you didn't have money. You were broke because you, so you, you had to be skinny. It was no, there was no choice because you couldn't right. put fat on your bones because you didn't have any food. But it's just funny to me that like these standards of what beauty is and what you know sexy is and what's not keeps shifting every year and every, every millennium, every decade or so, it just seems to shift because you know bigger, bigger people like you said, in that time, it was not a sign of sloppiness or death or nasty or poor. But now if you look at it, it's so crazy because nowadays it's the reverse. Now fat people or bigger people are seen as the broke ones or the people who are always going to McDonald's. They don't have enough money to actually get any uh, healthy foods. Isn't that crazy? 
that's crazy because if you think that then it's like why don't we do something about it so that people have access to affordable healthy food like that's the it's that's another (laughs) that's another episode that's a whole nother episode right there but like it's just it's crazy to me because not just that but like if you notice big black women are twice as likely to be fat shamed by the media than big white women like big white women are still insulted too let's not forget that but the terms used to describe them are very different like sometimes if you look at it bigger white women are oftentimes called bold and you know um uh, uh audacious she's she's out there being herself but big black women are not they're the same terms and i use to describe them it's why do you think that of racism but i mean <laughs> <laughs> but for argument's sake, why, where do you think that stems from too? Like aside from racism, where do you think that stems from? I think it's just a comfortability. You know, mm. I think that, you know, larger black women kind of have that, you know, the triple threat of like negative things, quote unquote, about yeah. them. They're black, they're a woman, and they're plus size. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have plus size white women and it's like, you know, they may be a woman, they may be plus size, but they're also white. So I think that media has more comfortability with those types of bodies. Yeah. And I also think that with the combination of like other types of, you know, stereotypes that has an effect, like, oh, the, you know, plus size white woman is like, just like fun comedy, super yeah. fun, like the fat Amy's of the media. Mm-hmm. But then you have like the black woman and it's like, Oh, they're hopelessly romantic, can't never find a man. They're either they're super loud or they're super aggressive and all of these different things that kind of revolves around the old stereotypes of like the Mammy, the Jezebel, the Sapphire and all of these different things. I absolutely fully agree. I think that that is, I think that with big black women, I think that the reason why they are so critiqued I think it stems from, like you said, the mammy, um, the mammy menstrual, because it's the idea that the big black woman in those, in, in, in many of those old white shows or movies were always these um, fun loving, not, they don't have any, they don't, they're not really smart. They're not particularly smart. They're very warm. They're very loving and caring or whatever. And a lot of black people, especially um, early on, um, hated that menstrual of if when black women would take on those roles, especially bigger black women. So I think that comes from that sense of like, they hate the, they hated them for taking on those roles, even though those are the only roles they could have. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what that woman's name is, but the woman who played, who, who won an Oscar, the first black woman to win an Oscar. Don't know. She was one of, she was one of those ones who did play that role and the black community was, I mean, um, up in arms about it. And I think that those kind of imageries and that imagery within the black community and the way that they viewed it, I think that that played into how we see black women today, bigger black women today. I think that because of that internalized oppression, that internalized, you know, um, phobia of like the fact that these uh, black women playing these roles or whatever, it it, kind of feels like it's lowering them because it was, but they didn't have any other roles to play at the time. In mainstream that is. And so I think that um, that, seeing that mammy archetype being so uh, celebrated by white people, but so hated in the black community because of the menstrual nature of it. I think that that translated over time to making bigger black women, like you said, to be these 
over the top loud people because they were like it was it was the black community's way of kind of reclaiming it in in a in a in a weird to my sense here like in a weird way it feels like the black community was trying to reclaim that archetype but also perpetuating it at the same time if that makes any sense yeah and i also think that there's this aspect of like i don't know how to describe it or explain it but like i think that we just see black people as bigger because I remember growing up, like watching that so Raven and thinking Raven was plus size. And I look back and I'm like, Raven Simone was not like a big girl. Like, yeah, I grew up thinking that was fat. And like, yeah. what kind of what does that say about how we view black women and their bodies and their sizes? And even thinking about how Raven Simone later later came out and talked about like how, you know, Disney told her she was too big to go on tour and like kind of yeah. body shamed her throughout her experience of working on the show. And I think that in a lot of different black media, we see that of like the plus size people weren't as big as we remembered, but being big was their only character point. I am so glad you brought up that Sir Raven because now that you say that, I look back, I recently uh, watched on Disney Plus, like watching uh, that Sir because that's what that was a fun show. I used to love it back as a kid. And like you said, like looking back, I'm like, Raven was regular size. Like at the most, she was maybe medium at most. Right. And that's still kind of stretching it. And I was looking, I was kind of like, that was our litmus for quote unquote fatness. She was a big girl. That That's what we consider a big girl. And I was like, and like you said, looking back at it, kind of like, damn, like and back in the day, you were like, yeah, she's a big girl. Like right. that was that we we fully believe that as kids, like, yeah, she's a big girl. But like now with the information that we know now and the growth that we made in society, we look back and we're like, big. <laughs> where? Bitch, where? Like where? So which and it's crazy. There was especially this episode of that so Raven that I thought was so impactful that the body shaming episode where she was yeah. walking the runway. And like I just recently watched that one too, and I was kind of like, big. <laughs> Big, so it's just, and, and I'm glad you bring up that point too, like uh, black shows, like the Parkers. Yes. Now that show, as funny as it may have been then, I, re I recently rewatched the entire series now and I just, the fat phobia, Daquan. Astronomical. I mean, astronomical. And I just looked at the show and I just was like, Professor Ogilvy never dated a plus size girl. He was always dating skinny women over Miss Parker and always showed disgust. I mean, literal outward disgust at even possibly considering dating with her simply because she was larger. That was always the joke in the gag of the show. And I just want to know, Daquan, where the fuck did we get this idea that big women at all were unattractive? Or uh, <laughs> Again, I like this... That's like one of the craziest things that like, I, I wish we could like pinpoint it and be like in 1868 <laughs> on this day at this time in Penn Square. Like, I wish we could. But I think that it's one of those things that we're noticing it so much more now that we go back and look at it and be like, hey, like that was kind of messed up. And like, of course, yeah. it has all of these influences on how we stereotype women, especially Black women and 
all of these different things. And I think, especially thinking about like the Jezebel Sapphire type stereotype mm-hmm. of like how people saw black women as being promiscuous. Yeah. Therefore a bigger black person must be more promiscuous because they have to try harder in order to get a man because they're not the beauty standard and they're not like whatever. And I think that's where it comes from, but it is still wild to think about. Like it, and I fully agree with you with what you're saying. Like it's it was so crazy because I remember I look back and I'm like, Monique was so beautiful. Like on that show, she was, I mean, the fashion, her outfits, her hair, like the way she did her makeup, like she was a bad bitch. And period. like it was, I mean, period, like full stop, like no, like no drama. Like it was, she was so beautiful. And I was like, and like I said, again, just the way that the show would the way that our minds were as children and in that time and rewatched as a kid, you're like, okay, it makes sense. I'm Professor Ogilvy don't like her because of this and that and that and that. But like I said, looking back on it now as an adult, you're like, Monique was that one. Like, that's right. a, like she was stunning. Like she was beautiful. the catch, the catch. The catch. And it was just like hearing how Professor Ogilvy would talk to her and like just the way he would demean her simply because she was a bigger woman. And it just, the way that not just her character, but the fact that in the end of the show, it ended up being that she ended up with him and it was finally like, oh yeah, she, he finally got, she finally got the guy. And it's kind of like, and it just made me so mad now looking back on it. Cause everybody, once again, back in the day, we were like, oh yes, finally he realized that Mrs. Parker was the one, but it's kind of like now looking back at it, he didn't deserve Miss Parker. Did not at all. And I also think that that kind of relates to like how, even now we see this switch up of like, you know, of course, when Drake said, I like my girls, BBW, everybody was on that being like, oh yeah, I like big girls too and everything like that. And even now, like I scroll through TikTok and I see people are like, oh, you know, if you're not with a plus size girl, you're not doing it right. And it's like, you go through who they're following, you go through who they're talking to. And it's like, not one insight. And it's like, where wh- why are you using plus size people for clout Baby, i think that's what it is strong in that one it is <laughs> well i'm sorry i cut you off what you were saying why are you using plus size people for clout i think that that's like a major problem as well as like the fetishization of black big black women is also another problem it's, and we've talked about this before on the show, it's just so disgusting that like these uh, mostly white creators usually, um, but some black ones too, will oftentimes do this thing. I always love big women. I always love a blind. I always send the four. It's kind of like bitch wear, like bitch wear. And it's like, it just, it, it, even as a kid, like growing up, I never really understood where that came from like I would like I said everybody would be talking about certain girls at my school or certain people on tv shows like oh they're a big girl they just said blah 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 and I'm kind of like but they're still pretty I mean am I crazy for thinking these people are these women are still beautiful am I thinking for this this bigger guy is still attractive like I don't understand like and like I said it just it frustrated me because I would hear it so much from so many people about how it's just, oh baby, I can never, never date a big girl or a big guy, or I just can't, blah, 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 blah. And the crazy part, it's not just that too, but I also see big women and big men all saying the same thing. That. 
child, the amount of times I have seen a larger man being like, I would never date a big woman. And it's like, not the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> the crazy part about it is they'll be seeing it and it's always this the level of disgust to it. Yes. And that's, I think that's my biggest problem. It's one thing to say, I'm not attracted to someone of a larger size or I'm not attracted to someone who's skinny or whatever, whatever. But it's just the kind of like, ugh. Like it's, I don't how know what- How could I? How, yeah. <laughs> like me, bitch, I could never, could never be me. Could never be me. And I'm like, who the fuck, who taught you that? Like, what? Who are you? Oh, baby. <laughs> And it's like, you? first of all, you should be lucky enough that a big woman or a big man would give you the time of day, number one, because in that, and let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Like, there are so many skinny black men, black women, or skinny white women, or skinny people in general, who would be like, oh, baby, because I, baby, um, if I like you, honey, that should be something, because you shouldn't have anybody. But the fact that I like you, it should be a gift to you. It's like, bitch. Who the fuck told you this, that being skinny was a gift for, for me? Like, or, or for that person, you know what I mean? Right, like you are not blessed by God himself, like came down and being like, you are my gift to humanity. Like, no. And it's also one of those things that I think that where this comes from is we see fat as being like a trait. Like it's one, it's something that a person is inherently or whatever. And it's like, that's not the case. Like, even if you, dated somebody skinny they could gain weight people yeah. gain weight all the time it's normal even during quarantine so many people talked about like the quarantine 15 or 50 um mm -hmm. and it's one of those <laughs> things that's like so if you're saying that you will only date skinny people you know what if they go through like a really dark depression and you know they stress eat and they gain weight are you not going to love them anymore if they get pregnant and gain weight are you not going to love them anymore like make it make sense and some people absolutely do just what you said they don't love when, when some women get a little uh get pregnant it's oh no or it's always this kind of thing of like oh baby you getting you getting a little weight you need to lose a little bit of weight and it's kind of like what the fuck like i just i just don't understand like this idea that people have to look, ex I, I mean, clear cut abs, define muscle, this blah, 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 that. And it's like, do we not understand? Just like you said that baby, you know that the only way to keep definition and I just learned this, but like, did you know the only way to keep the defined abs and the defined chest if you work out every week, like you have to consistently work out to maintain definition. Right. If you stop for maybe a, a, at, at the, a week, or even a few days, you're getting, it's gone. Or even with some people who do work out, like in order to keep their definition, they basically got to be starving or dehydrated because, you know, they drink a little water or they eat a little food and then they're bloated and it's gone. And that's just crazy to me that we're trying to keep the standard. Like if you don't look like this, you're unattractive. And then and bringing that up, Daquan, Let's talk about the biggest loser. Daquan, let's talk about the biggest loser. Um, so let's just talk about the description of the show first. Now, this is lifted straight from their original description, which states that the show centers around an overweight and obese contestants attempting to lose the most weight, and the winner receives a cash prize. 
Now, nowhere in that description, Daquan, does it say become the healthiest. It directly, it directly equates weight loss with health. And that is an incredibly dangerous equation for so many different reasons. Daquan, I'm going to give it to you for a second before I pop off. Go off. First of all, (laughs) weight is not a good indicator of health. There are plenty of people who are super healthy, but are considered overweight. There are people who are have the most unhealthy habits ever, but they're skinny. And it's one of those things that like, it's crazy to think about how in society we equate the two. And a lot of that comes from our ideas of like BMI being an indicator of health, which even a lot of doctors will say BMI is bad. Because somebody who is very, very muscular would be considered overweight. And it's like, so you can be fat and overweight. You can be muscular and overweight. Mm-hmm. What, what can you be and not be considered overweight on the BMI scale? And I also think that like it promotes, it promotes like diet culture in a way of like, you know, trying to sell like these tummy teas and being like oh, oh my god so quickly just drink this tea that will literally flush your entire system out and mess up your stomach for however long you're taking it or it's promoting all of these different types of diet plans and all of these different things where people are literally starving themselves like i've seen so many times where I don't think it was the biggest loser, but I think like on a lot of the shows that have like somebody that's going to have weight loss surgery and they have to do like a specific diet before doing weight loss surgery, they'll have them eating like a thousand calories a day Mm. just to just to show how little a thousand calories is. That's how much you need for like a toddler. You have a grown human being eating the calorie limits of a toddler and considering that a way to get healthy and it's those things that are the reason why when you have shows like the biggest loser or whatever yeah people can lose the weight but most of the time they end up gaining it back because you're promoting unhealthy and unsustainable habits for people to do when in reality you should be teaching people how to cook better food for themselves, how to shop for better food, what can they make sure that they eat and be able to be full, you know, still still enjoy what they want to eat in moderation and have a healthy lifestyle rather than a, you know, quick get it and go diet. And that's the problem with it because most of the time, you know, they're trying to get that profit for their new diet and their diet book. Or they're trying to get that profit off of the hospitals and being like, hey, if you are overweight, you're going to have to be seeing me. I can call call you in, do all of these different tests, run up your hospital bill so I can get paid. Mm-hmm. And I think these are all of the systematic problems that we have that causes fat phobia to be such a problem. I mean, baby, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, this... Shows like The Biggest Loser, even the name itself, The Biggest Loser. I mean, you're already, calling fat people losers. Already, already, not even watching the show, the fact that it's called The Biggest Loser. I just, and like I said, is it, and is it, inc- it is incredibly fat phobic because not just the fact 
that you're saying that fatness is an equation or it, it, uh, it is equal to you being unhealthy, but it's like, like you just said, it's not talking about how to be healthy. It's not saying let's get to you to a healthier weight. Let's see what, cause some people can't go below a certain weight because they will be considered unhealthy. Right. So it's like, instead of it's like, oh, this person lost this many pounds. This is great, right? It's like, no, you're making a competition about someone suffering, essentially. It's organized fat shaming like the way that some people describe it. Because you're basically saying that if you do not lose enough weight, you are not a winner. If you don't lose more than a, a more weight than this person, you're not good enough. And stuff like this further perpetuates this idea in society that this kind of aspect of diet culture or this aspect of, um, of fat shaming is okay. Just like shows like Cops perpetuated police brutality in an entertainment fashion. And finally it was canceled after years and years of being on the air. But like the fact that this show is essentially still ingraining these ideologies that being big or being fat or being larger is a bad thing. Inherently. And then their rhetoric is also problematic because I've watched some episodes of the show where they go in on the contestants and being like, oh, it's just tough love. It's just to encourage you to get out there. No, you are literally shaming people. You are Ooh. literally making people feel bad about themselves and you're traumatizing them, honestly. Exactly. And it's like, you don't understand how deeply rooted this stuff goes into people when you tell them these kinds of things. And like you said before, the rhetoric used in the show has nothing to do with trying to be healthy. Has nothing to do with it. Like you said, the truth, all, all they're worried about is trying to sell their next diet book. So the next fitness journey, fitness video, fitness this, fitness that, whatever, whatever. And it's kind of like this, and, and going back to that uh, Jillian Mac Michael situation about Lizzo, it's kind of like, baby, she has literally no input in Lizzo's life, has no idea what she's been doing, what she has been doing to make sure she stays healthy. Because if you look at Lizzo, she's very fit, very fit. She just happens to be a bigger woman and you automatically assume that she was unhealthy, that she's gonna get diabetes, that skinny people apparently can't get diabetes, which is fucking stupid already. That's that's some dumb shit right there because that's not that diabetes is not that's not how that works. Like it's that's not. not like fatness and skinniness has nothing to do with who gets diabetes, honey. I mean, if you are overweight and obese, that might make you more predisposed to it, but it does not mean that does not automatically mean that just because you're skinny, you're not getting diabetes. So let's get that out of the way first. Okay, let's right. just, let's clear that. Let's clear that up right there. But it's just frustrating to me because it's not just Jillian Michaels. It's not just certain fitness. It's not just a show. It's so many people online and on these talk shows and like you said the flat tummy tea that triggered me bitch that triggered me so hard i cannot tell you how many fucking videos i've seen of flat tummy tea i cannot tell you how many ads i've seen on instagram facebook twitter about flat tummy tea and it's like why the fuck <laughs> you're literally lying to people like <laughs> the way flat tummy tea works is it's just a diuretic so it makes you use the restroom more. So you're losing water weight, but it's dehydrating you. Literally dehydrating you. 
And it's so scary because look at what this is doing to youth. Bulimia, anorexia are such big problems with young teen girls and teen boys. This body dysmorphia of being, I'm still fat, even though I'm not really. There's muscle dysmorphia and body dysmorphia. And it's, it's so common because of the fact that we still perpetuate the image that being bigger or being larger is nasty or unhealthy. And it's just, I just can't believe that this show has been going on for almost 17 fucking seasons. And no one spoke up about this shit. And we or see no it one so much. We see it so no much. Checking in. No one's checking into these people to see how they're doing. Literally that. And it just, it frustrated me, Daquan, because it just, it further perpetuates this idea and it further perpetuates this um, unhealthy lifestyle. Like, let me just ask you, do you think dieting, a diet as a culture is problematic to our society? Yes. 100%. Like 1,000%. No question, Daquan. No debate on that. I think it's one of those things like, you know, there's going to be some people that come for me for saying this, but a lot of these diets, as much as it works for some people, we can't keep them as like the gospel truth of how to, you know, um, lose weight. And I think that it's because diet culture is so normalized that we can talk about things and it'd be like, oh, you know, that's fine. Like you can do something like intermittent fasting where it's like, oh, 23 hours of the day, I'm not going to eat. And then I have one hour to eat a day or they have some versions where it's like, oh, for a few days, I'm not going to eat any food. And then I'm going to eat food for like two days a week. And it's crazy because it's like, when you say, oh, I'm doing like this intermittent fasting thing, it's like, oh, okay. Like you're trying to lose weight. Good for you. But if you kind of say what it is and they're like, oh, I'm just like going to starve myself for a couple of days and then eat every other day or something like that. Then you're like, why would you do that? Or you have like these very restrictive diets of like, oh, I can't eat carbs. I can't have this or that or whatever. And it's like, you're literally creating situations where like people have to like plan out their entire week of food. And it's like, oh, a friend wants to go and grab drinks or something. Can't do that. I'm on a diet. Oh, you want to go to a restaurant for your birthday? Can't go. I'm on a diet. And it's like, you're literally creating a situation where people can't live their lives and interact with people. And they fear social events because eating is such a social activity for so many of us. And you're restricting people from doing that. I, I, I'm telling you, this shit hits such a big nerve for me because, you know, I don't, I just, I don't get the idea of commenting on people's weight or size. I don't understand where that comes from or why that's even a, a discussion point in any topic. And, you know, recently I moved out of um, my mom's house. I got my own place and I'm living on my own a, a couple for about almost a year now. And I went back to visit um, just, you know, as I do. And there was a guy who was like, oh, you're getting a little big or you're getting a little whatever. What's going on there? What's going on with you? And it wasn't just him. It was somebody else. My, my arm was like, you're getting a little, you're getting a little thick. What's going on? You need to get, you need to get yourself back together. And I'm just kind of like, but did I ask? It is free to mind your business. It, 
but did I ask Daquan? I just, I just, I just want to know. And it just, it hurt my feelings and it made me, and I, like I said, I thought I was good. I'm like, I'm feeling myself. I'm happy. I'm eating well. I'm doing what I got to do. I'm, you know, whatever. And like I said before, when I heard her, when I heard them say that, I was just like, well, and then do I need to be trying to eat differently or am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And it made, and it made me question myself over and over again. And I just had to realize that it was bringing back that idea that I have to be a certain kind of uh, uh, ah, ah, to be able to be sexy or to be, be uh, attractive. And it just, it really boggled my mind because this is what we perpetuate in society. We make this okay. That saying that commenting on someone's weight, that commenting on someone's size is something to do. That's that you're helping them by mentioning their size or you're helping them by, let me tell you something, motherfuckers. Let me just, let me just be real clear with y'all right Yeah, not the mother, not the people watching this, but the one, maybe that one person who's trash, who's watching this, who would need to learn something. But let me, let me just really break this down. If somebody has recently gained weight, I promise you, they know. I promise you, they know. You don't have to tell them. They are aware. Okay, and it just frustrates me that we feel this need to point it out. And it frustrates me that we still perpetuate this idea that you need to get yourself together. You need to get on a diet, you need to eat this and that and this and that and that and that and that and this and that and the fourth. And it's kind of like, bitch, you only get one life. <laughs> one. You only get one life. And I'm not saying that you should go wild and do all kind of crazy shit, but I am saying is that like, why are we sitting here having to edit ourselves so heavily on what we eat it's food it's to nourish our bodies and it's like the fact that we have this culture that the diet vulture culture where it's like oh you have to be skinny you have to be this your body can't be you can't have a little jiggle it can't be it has to be no jiggle no jiggle like, wow. the fuck, that's okay like not having any kind of body fat and body mass at all is, is, is a healthy lifestyle, apparently. And a lot of these people, I'm just looking at like, you don't have a MD behind your <sighs> name. You don't have no registered dietitian behind, no nutritionist behind your name. And like on that note, even if you do, let's be honest, medical fat phobia is a real problem. The amount of times plus size people go to the doctor for something. And the only thing that they get is, well, you know, you're overweight, so you should try losing weight. It's like so many times doctors do not listen to fat patients. Like I've experienced this where it was literally like, I went to a hospital because I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm feeling all different types of things. I can barely breathe. Like what's going on? Like I, I want to have a conversation. And I was literally hospitalized for three days because they were like, I don't know what's wrong with you. And then they released me and was like, well, you know, lose some weight. And I'm like, no type of tests. No, like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, I, I get it that, you know, being overweight can be a risk factor or, yeah. you know, be a predisposition for certain types of things. But when you literally have patients telling you like, hey, there's this very specific problem. And the only thing you talk about is weight. You don't actually check that area. You don't actually... Mm -hmm 
you know, see what levels of pain somebody has. You don't do your due diligence as a doctor. You just see a fat patient and it's like, <laughs> oh, if you're fat, the problem is probably weight. No type of test, no, no. nothing. Like, but like I fully agree with what you're saying. Like it's 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 and the crazy part about it is that if being overweight was the issue. Why are there no discussions about healthy ways to get you to a certain type of weight bracket, if that makes any sense? You know what I mean? Like, why is there not like a, okay, so we think this may be a factor into why this is happening. So um, we need to maybe add some more protein in your diet and less of this and less of that or whatever the case would be. Try to, like, I think that, like you said before, the first response is you're big. That's it. That's the problem. Fuck everything. That's the problem. And it's like, like you said, I think that it's a, it's the same thing where there's a racism within the medical industry. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that medical fat phobia is like when they see a fat patient, when they see a bigger patient, they believe off rip that any problem that they come in with has something that directly is affecting their, is, it has direct correlation to their weight. That's the only problem that it could be. Right. Or and if like, you try to do something about it, then it's like, oh, here's some medicine or have you considered weight loss surgery? And it's, you know, creating these situations where it's like weight loss surgery is expensive. Any surgery is very expensive. And if your go-to response is surgery and not finding, you know, affordable options, not, you know, talking to the person about ways that they can, you know, have a nutritious diet, Yes, that's the problem because I've even talked to some people who are in medical school that are becoming doctors and they only have to take like one nutrition class. One, not one, one. And, but, and, and that's the crazy part is that once again, it's still the conversation about weight that pisses me off. It's like, that's the first thing that they're saying. And it's like, I just don't understand why it's not about how are you eating? How often are you eating? What types of food are you eating? How often do you go out to eat? Or I go out to eat this and pounds. Okay, let's not, let's bring it down to once a week. Let's try to do this a different way. And let's, let's try that. The first, it's, it's the fact that it's kind of like, like you said, it just jumps to fake, straight to weight. And it's like, instead of let's, instead of, let's move the, the, the conversation from weight and moving to how are you, how are you nutrition? Uh, what is it? How are you um, giving your body nutrients? What are your go-tos? You know, and instead of having that conversation with your patient, because I feel like that would shift a lot of people's focus on their bodies and their health, I think. Because a lot of times, I remember one time, there was this woman who was, she was telling me that she went, she was going through a lot of uh, struggles in her life, right? And her, bo- her, uh, her doctor was like, her first doctor was like, yeah, you need to lose some weight. That's the only way you're going to have to fix it. It's going, you, you, um, your body ain't working, your diet, this is going on diabetes, whatever, whatever. You need to lose some weight, right? So she loses the weight and she goes back to the doctor and they're like, and, and she had a new doctor this time. And the new, the new doctor looked at her and was like, um, you lost how many pounds? She's like, I lost about, a, about 50, 60 pounds. And she was like, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> The doctor was like, you lost how many? Like, that's good, right? The doctor was like, hell no, bitch. You, this is, you, getting, you getting into some dangerous territory. And it was just crazy that two completely separate doctors were telling her basically opposite, like juxtaposing each other. 
It's like, well, this daughter told me to lose weight. This daughter told me to gain weight. I don't understand what the fuck is going on. And that's, and when I heard her say that, it really kind of brought things into perspective for me because it's kind of like, we're still in this conversation about, like you said, losing weight, gain, or losing weight. That's what, that's the only way to solve all these problems and not talking about how to be healthy. Where does your healthy weight for someone of your stature? In or, May, or even getting like, what other factors are, causing you to gain weight or maintain your weight like i had i know somebody who is transgender and they wanted to medically transition because you know their body dysmorphia was just really heavy on them and causing them to be very anxious and depressed and you know when they're doing when they feel all of that things they stress eat um so they wanted to medically transition and the doctor literally told them i I will not clear this unless you lose weight. And it's like, the reason that they're gaining weight is because of their body dysmorphia, their gender dysmorphia, causing them to stress eat. So you are then exacerbating the problem because you're not listening to your patient. And like it's in that, and, and just it further perpetuates this ideal ideology that, once again, big people are unhealthy. That that is the only factor. Like like you said, fuck a test. Fuck trying to figure out what's going on. Fuck actually having a conversation with your patient. Fuck actually having a therapist get involved and maybe figure out, oh, this is the reason why. Like you said, for that particular situation, that was because of the transitioning. It's because they were feeling body dysmorphia. So instead of getting a therapist to maybe say, let me refer you to a therapist first to make sure this is the issue before you just automatically diagnose without learning the issues. And like, and like, and, and, and that further goes even, even deeper than that. There are so many people who stress eat because of the situation they have in their home, abusive situations, sexual assault, rape, molestation, so many different things they could be going through. And instead of, instead of the doctor going, why are you eating so much? What's going on? Is there a reason why you gained this much weight so fast? Or is there a reason why blah, 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 whatever, whatever? Or if that's not the case, how are you eating? Why are you eating this way? You know, stuff like that. Instead of asking multiple questions and getting to some more answers, like you said before, the first thing is, oh yeah, that's the reason. Like Daquan, I, and in your situation when you went to the hospital, what if you were going through something at home? Literally. And instead of your doctor saying, what's going on? Let's refer, let's refer you to somebody. They're like, no, no. It's the way, that's it. Like, what the fuck? Child, this was teenage years. So this was like trying to figure out sexuality and everything that comes with that. And so it just, and it just goes back to bedside manner and goes back to how, like you said, doctors are are, are um, taught in this industry and how they're, um, and how this stuff is always situated. It's like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for us to make this conversation solely about weight. It doesn't make sense for us to make the conversations about people only about how big or small they are. And like you said, it's this also a conditioning in our society that we have with people who do lose weight and they're like, oh my God, you're so beautiful now. You're so this, you're so healthy. You're so whatever, whatever. Never not actually asking them what they did to lose that weight. Which once again, like our, uh, 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 what is it? The writing its own tail kind of thing where it's like the snake eating its tail where it's like you're perpetuating this image of like skinny is beautiful, skinny is healthy, skinny is perfect, but you're also unintentionally 
also um, approving, saying, oh yes, have anorexia, have bulimia. There's so many women and men out there who have anorexia, bulimia, or binge eating and purging and stuff like that because people consistently reward them for being skinnier. Right. And I want to ask you, Daquan, do you think that eating disorders as a whole are fat phobic? Yeah, I think that eating disorders a lot of times are rooted in fat phobia that people see in the media and everywhere around them. Like they literally have the fear of being fat or gaining more fat. So they're going to do whatever it takes not to do that. And they have such a strong aversion because of all of these societal pressures that are put onto them that, oh, I, I can't be fat. Like people are going to see me as this, this and that. And like people aren't going to respect me. People aren't going to treat me differently. And it's like, let's take this time to rethink our society, rethink how we treat people and rethink what it means to be fat. Absolutely. I think that, I think that is, in, I think that fat phobia created these, um, uh, uh, um, disease, uh, these uh, uh, neurological disorders, anorexia, bulimia, all, it all directly stems from fat phobia. Because the only reason you're trying to get skinny is to fit into the, the beauty standard what being beautiful is in our society. That's the only reason where it comes from. And it even begs an even bigger question of why is it that when big people or fat people do care about their health, they're condemned for it? Ooh, I think it's because we see like fatness being like an inherent thing to everything else. Like if you're fat, then you're unhealthy. Like you can't be anything else. And I think that you know, back in like 2019, Nike had like stores where they had plus size mannequins to, you know, show off their fitness wear, their athletic wear. And people literally outraged about it was like, these are disgusting. They're gargantuan. They're vast. Note, the plus size mannequins and the smaller sized mannequins took up the same amount of space in the store. But people were like, <laughs> It's gargantuan. It's a, it's disturbing. And they're like, it's a lie. This is false advertisement because nobody that size would be going to like work out in some shiny new Nike gear. And it's like, so you're saying that fat people should lose weight, but fat people can't wear clothes to work out. Like, why are you making sense? <laughs> or even within like the body positivity movement, like going back to like Lizzo and Lizzo was doing like this juice cleanse, you know, to like, because she said, you know, I've been eating wrong recently and drinking a lot. I just want to do like this detox really quickly to like make sure my, you know, stomach bacteria is good and, you know, flush out all the bad and like replenish myself with some good nutrients and people ragged on her being like you're succumbing to diet culture you're being fat phobic and it's like that inherently is fat phobic because you're saying that fat people can't be healthy that fat people can't care about their health and do things that are detoxing and that are healthy for their bodies like so it's a kind of damned if you do damned if you don't situation 
And that's, and that's so crazy that nowadays when we're supposed to be in, in a better place of celebrating big people, celebrating all body shapes and sizes, I mean, even just, and it's so insane to me because even when people are just saying, I'm beautiful, I'm gorgeous, and you will hear somebody in a comment or somebody in a remix or a, a duet going, actually, well, actually, you're not healthy because blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's kind of like, Bitch, when the, where the fuck? Like, who, I'm only saying thing? this because I care about your health. Yes, and it's like, but bitch, who said that she was unhealthy? Who said that? You decided that because you saw a fat person and you said, oh yes, <laughs> that's, that's unhealthy. You're unhealthy. I'm helping you by telling you to be skinny. And it just frustrates me that even now with the body, like the body positivity movement, that big women, big men can't simply just be that that their weight has to always be brought up into conversation. That them being like Lizzo, fuck her music, right? Cause she doesn't make amazing, phenomenal music. We gotta talk about how big she is. We gotta talk about how she's eating, what she's eating because she has, cause she can't eat, cause she can. And like the crazy part is Daquan, just like you said, she's succumbing diet culture, but let her go on Twitch or TikTok uh, eating McDonald's or eating Burger King. I have a field day. Oh, she's unhealthy. Oh, she's not caring about this. Oh, she's being this and she's showing women what they should, blah, blah, blah. And it's like. <laughs> it's a problem. And it's one of those things that like, I also think that in the body positivity movement, we have a lot of co-opting. Like a lot of, you know, the body positivity movement were, was created for fat people you know, very plus size people. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, you know, I have a little pudge here. So like body positivity. And it's like, then you see the entire movement just being, you know, skinny people with like a little bit of insecurity areas. And like, that's not to knock them. Like everybody has their own body. Everybody has mm -hmm. their own issues with their body and it's all valid. But I think that when you co-opt it, you're creating this place where it's not for the people who originally started it. And it creates like this toxic environment where it's like, you have to try to be inclusive of everybody, but you're making the models of body positivity movement unexclusive of the people who started it. Or even one like, especially like fashion, you know, companies kind of feature plus size people a lot of times they're like plus size people, but still like, you know, conventionally attractive. So like they may be plus size, but they still have that hourglass shape or, you know, their stomach isn't protruding a lot. It's kind of flat, but they're still big. So it's like, what are you doing with this entire body positivity movement when you're not being inclusive of the people who started it? And that is on period. I mean, that, <laughs> and it's crazy because this is how people view things. They really view that, oh, it's, yeah, you're being body positive, but you also have to be healthy and you have to be this and you have to be that. And it's like, whatever. And it's kind of like, but you're like, you, like we said before, you're making this false equivalency of weight equaling unhealthiness or gaining weight as an as a indicator of being unhealthy. Do you remember a while back, um, Rihanna? When she uh, was first came out, she was really, really thick, like really, really skinny, right? Like really, really skinny. And then uh, one day she had took made a video and she was like wearing um, some uh, 
some, uh, I think she was wearing like a bathing suit, but she was a little thicker around the waist, thick around the thighs and thick and she was looking like a bad bitch. I mean, a yum, yum, yum. But like people are like, oh, Lizzo gained some weight. I mean, no, not Lizzo, um, uh, Rihanna gained some weight. Tail Lautner too. His same thing when he was out, he got he got that, um, he must be in a relationship. He got that big happy weight and blah, blah, blah whatever, whatever. And it's kind of like, who are you? <laughs> Why does it matter to you? the fuck are you why why does them gaining weight or losing weight have anything to do with them being beautiful or not right i just it's not your body it's not your place (sighs) Ooh, hashtag what if it's not your body it's not your place (laughs) period and i think that at the fashion industry is incredibly fat phobic i mean if you watch america's next top model early seasons or whatever there was an episode where tyra was like well i do eat sometimes but i, I when i when i would go out to eat a burger i'll take off the bread and only eat the meat and i'm kind of like what kind of shit i was like just eat like wh-. the amount of times that there have been models that literally pass out from exhaustion because they haven't been drinking or eating anything because they want to maintain their um, size because if they gain just a pound, nope, can't do it. Can't be on my runway. I mean, it, people will literally weigh their models. I've seen it on videos. They will weigh their models before they get on the runway or weigh them before they even get a chance to audition for a uh, a, um, a, a walk. They'll, they'll measure their waist size and be like, oh, you've gained here, you've gained there. I'm like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm just like, we really give that much of a fuck. Right. A- apparently we do. And just to kind of bring this conversation back a little bit, like even in television, especially with black women, big black women, especially, we oftentimes, and you touched on this a little bit too, where like they're always portrayed as aggressive, sassy, without a man and desperate. That's their caricature. And so many TV shows, that is exactly who they are. I mean, Tyler Perry's movies, where it's like the big girl is not sexy, not cute, not whatever. But when she got skinny, oh, now she's sexy now. Now she's whatever. Like, what, this and the fourth, or even not just Tyler Perry, but in many, many shows in TV, like uh, Good Luck Charlie's and the, you know, whatever. There's always a sassy black, black girlfriend who's always like, I'm going to tell you. And it's always usually a bigger girl. And she's always like, even with the um, even with the Parkers, right. with Monique, always having to be the um, I, oh she's fighting and she's gangster and she's this and that and the fourth and she's loud and boisterous and aggressive and blah blah. blah. And it's kind of like we're consistently perpetuating the image that these black women have to be a performance or a caricature instead of just being a woman. That she always has to be um sad about her being the it's I call it the big girl storyline where it's like it's across races too where it's like them i'm so big i can't possibly be beautiful until i lose weight and now i lose weight now every guy that the guy that i wanted finally loves me what the fuck i'm Are sorry we really out here promoting conditional love yeah. <gasps> oh bitch say that again daquan are we really out here promoting conditional love in that it, it, it powerfuls me how many TV shows and movies consistently perpetuate the stereotype that a black woman or a, a big girl or a, a big women have to be ashamed of their weight. Like that always, that is a- almost always 
that is a storyline that they're like, I'm insecure about my weight. I'm like, I, why can't it just be a bad bitch? Right. I just want to see a storyline where you have a plus size black woman being a plus size black woman and their storyline isn't just them being a plus size black woman. Like that's just who they are, but they, you know, they're killing it in their career. Yes. Successful life, a successful relationship. Like, can we just see a plus size black woman being happy without having to lose a bunch of weight or, you know, be desperate or all of these different things? And, that, and, and it's, it's so baffling to me that we still perpetuate these images in 2021, that big women can't just be big women. And, even, and now it's even worse now because the virtue signal, signaling in some of these TV shows where like we have a big girl and her storyline is like, I am a big girl and I am confident because I'm a big girl and I don't have to like you because I'm, I'm this. And I'm like, okay. Just be drag race. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Just say drag race. Like, just, <laughs> but like, <laughs> get you shady as fuck. But like, <laughs> but like, seriously, and like so many TV shows are like that, where they're just like, oh, I have to be the big girl and I have to be the winner. It's like, no, you could just be sexy. You could just be sexy. And the crazy part about it is being overweight is normal in America. I think I read a statistic like, somewhere in the 70 to 80% of Americans are at least somewhat overweight. And it really begs the question of like, if that's the norm, why isn't that the medium? And, and, it, and it's just Daquan. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what are we doing where we're ostracizing the majority of our country? And even thinking about like, the, the systems that we have built, like buses or airplanes and like the shame some flight attendants will oh like my God. show you if you ask for a seatbelt adjuster. Like I've never had to do that, but I've known people who have and they talk about it and they talk about it like it's one of the most traumatic things that they have to do. Like they literally went on Amazon to buy one for every single airline because they didn't want to have to go through that struggle of asking a flight attendant for a seatbelt adjuster. Or just the fact that some people, depending on how large they are, have to be, if they meet a certain weight bracket, they have to buy two seats. Right. Like they shouldn't have, like, and, and it just baffles me because I'm kind of like, why should they have to pay the price of two seats when there should be already things in place for people who are larger? Like yeah. that should just already be an accommodation that's automatic. And it just like excludes people from doing so many things. Like, for example, I, if you know me, I talk about, I don't like roller coasters. Like I've never, I haven't been a fan for a while. And, you know, when I first went on roller coasters, I found them incredibly fun. Like they were some of the best moments of my life. But I remember that there was like this one time, I think I was at like Carowinds or something like that. I was on a roller coaster trying to like put the seatbelt on and like get secured and I didn't fit. And so I couldn't ride. And like ever since then, I was like, I'm not going to do roller coasters. I don't I don't want to deal with that embarrassment of having to make that walk of shame or, you know, trying to examine the roller coaster size and what it is to see like, oh, can I fit on this one? Like that literally scarred me from 
you know, liking roller coasters. So ever since then, I was like, you know, I don't really like roller coasters. Like, it's not my thing. But in reality, it's just rooted in not fitting that one time. And that's so fucking disgusting that that could have even happened to you. Like the fact that people are even and like and like the, and they don't have any kind of way to adjust that. Like they don't have anything that's already in place for that. Like that's so disgusting. That's so fucking disgusting to me because like you said, it traumatizes people and it makes them feel less than because I'm sure you're not the only person who's felt that way. Not at all. And it's like, I mean, so many, I've seen so many, Gabriel Iglesias talks about this too. Um, in his comedy specials where he's kind of like, yeah, certain things I can't ride because I'm a little bit bigger and I can't whatever. And it's like, it's crazy to me that this is not like, we have inclusivity in so many areas, like in so many areas about um, handicapped people or um, people who are like, we have, we have the rails in the bathrooms and stuff like that or whatever the case to be. And that's great. And that is an amazing thing that we have, but it's like, we need to expand that inclusivity. It needs to reach people of larger size. It needs to understand that not everybody is a one size fits all, which is a whole nother fucking, with that fashion industry, that's a whole nother fucking thing there. But right. it's like, it's, there is no one size fits all. That's the point. That's the point that people don't realize. There is not a set way for things to look. There is not a set standard of what you should be at this, you, what weight you should be at this age or what age you sh- or what, what size you should be in this point or how, how big you should be. It's like, there shouldn't be that. There is no one size fits all. That is a myth that is perpetuated by fat phobia and racism, okay? Period. So moving a little bit further on, I just want to talk about too that Another harsh portrayal that we'll see, and we talked about this a little bit too, is the sloppy, nasty stereotype that we have with black with that people, where it's like uh, this movie that I want to talk about, Shallow How, um, was a romantic comedy film about Gwyneth Paltrow and Jack Black with about a shallow man who falls in love with a 300 pound woman because of her inner beauty, because he sees her as a skinny woman, which makes her automatically quote unquote pretty. Like, fuck out of here with this bullshit. Like, Daquan. What? I think that this is why, like, you also see this a lot in comedy. Like, people just love using fat as a punchline. Yes! And it's, at a lot of times, it's not interesting. It's not really that funny. Like, if your entire punchline is like, oh, they're fat. Like, who who are you making this for? What are you making? Like, what are you, what message is your punchline sending? And that doesn't make any, and, and it's, it's in comedy, so in, in comedy specials that fat is funny, that if you call someone fat, it's hilarious, that them being big and them being large, oh, that's so fucking funny. And it's like, I'm like, it's not, like, it's, it's not, you are, baby, instead of being creative with your uh, observations, instead of being um, actually uh, talented at being a comedian, you choose to go on the bare minimum. You choose to go on the, oh yeah, you're big and that's it. That's, that's the only, that's the only, that's the only punch I can give you. It's kind of like, no, baby, that's not how that works. That's the low like, hanging fruit. That's, baby, that's what again? The low hanging fruit. Like bottom of the barrel, like, and I've seen some, you know, comedy specials make a joke centered around a plus size person that have been funny, but most of the times that's coming from a plus size person. I wonder why. And the crazy part is just like gay jokes. And I always say this with gay jokes too. If the punchline is them being gay, that's not funny. 
If the punchline is I'm black, that's not funny. If the punchline is they're fat, that's not funny. The punchline should not be a uh, objective thing. It should not just be that, that, that. No, it needs to be something that's creative. I've heard some funny ass gay jokes. I'm like, that shit is hilarious. Like that shit is hilarious. But it was because being gay wasn't the punchline. Being fat wasn't the punchline. It was something else within the joke. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that to me is comedy. If you're not going for the low hanging fruit, if you have, cre- if, if it's, it's not, if it, it, to me, nothing is funny when that is the punchline, when, when it, when it indicate when, when, like I said, fat or them being handicapped or them being this, that's funny. Like it's not a punchline. It's an observation. Oh, say it again, Daquan, for the people in the back. It's not a punchline. It's an observation. Ooh, baby. And that's not comedy. So, <laughs> so, so many little boys and girls grow up never knowing the full scope of what their culture has contributed to society in history. So it's time for a change. Let's take a pause, rewind, and remind the world just how <laughs> we did that. Now, in a celebration of Pride Month, I want to recognize James Arthur Baldwin, an African-American novelist, playwright, essayist, poet, and activist. Baby, the list is long. Okay, in his book, The Racial Problem, in the works of Richard Wright and James Baldwin, written by Joseph J. Rogers, he states that Baldwin's novels, short stories, and plays fictionalize fundamental personal questions and dilemmas amid complex social and psychological pressures. Themes of masculinity, sexuality, race, and class intertwine to create intricate narratives that run parallel with some of the major political movements towards social change in the mid 20th century America, such as the civil rights movement and the gay liberation movement. Baldwin's protagonists were often, but not exclusively African-American and gay and bisexual men were frequently featured as protagonists in his literature. Now these characters often faced internal and external obstacles in their search for social and self-acceptance. Such dynamics are prominent in Baldwin's second novel, The Giovanni's Room, which was written in 1956, well before the gay liberation movement. Now that, baby, brave, talk about bravery. Talk about being a bad bitch <laughs> and fuck everybody, okay? I know that's the fuck right. I couldn't imagine being open about my sexuality and even writing about it in the time that James Baldwin was born in. Right, and if you've ever seen or heard James Baldwin speak, he speaks with fire. Like literally one of the most powerful speakers I can talk right now because of I'm just thinking he is yeah (laughs) like amazing absolutely Daquan so for my we did that I'm I'm going to appear of Baldwin somebody that's actually had you know quite a number of conversations with Baldwin um and I will be talking about Audre Lorde so Audre Lorde is a self-proclaimed black feminist lesbian mother poet who was born in New York City in 1934 and was another major influence of the Black arts movement, like Baldwin was. Lord has been published in countless anthologies and has published 12 books over her lifetime, with poetry being her first language, as she says. Lord wrote powerful poems of protest that gave voice to marginalized communities through her own experiences as a Black lesbian woman. And Lord was a staunch advocate and activist 
for feminism, civil rights, black culture, and LGBTQ equality. Lord was also a phenomenal prose writer as well, writing the Cancer Journal, which outlines her battle with breast cancer and having a, a mastectomy. And Zami, a new spelling of my name, which is a biomythography and a major canonical text in Black studies, women's studies, and queer theory. Lord also found, co-founded Kitchen Table Women of Color Press, a Black feminist press with other Black and um, people of color writers. So like Baldwin, another. Black people. Black, black people black constantly queer, rising the bar. Black queer people. Like black queer people. And just to think that people like this existed in times that were not as accepting as ours. And, right. and we're still fighting today now. We're not fully there yet. But it's just like to imagine being so brave in a time where you could be killed, lynched, you know, um, murdered just for being who you are especially not just as, I mean, to be black and gay or queer in a time like, no words. When I say bad bitches, <laughs> when I say black people, period, black queerness, period, play blank and simple now. As always, thank you all so much for watching and keep the conversation going down in the comment blocks below. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up. And if you are listening to us on our podcast, please rate and review on whatever platform you are using. If you want to follow us on social media, our handles are at Andre Talkslot at Daquan950. You can also follow our podcast on Instagram at The Melon Margin for updates about new content. Oh yes, baby. We got an Instagram now. So we'll see you all next week on The Melon Margin where conversations about race, baby, is never off the table. Bye now.